0: Good morning, everybody, and Happy New Year. Year. It's a new beginning, a new, uh, the first Sunday of the new year, and I always love the first Sunday. First Sunday is a way to take the right step right into the whole uh, newness that God brings to us. And I just want to welcome, like Rick said, welcome everyone here, especially if this is your first time. We're so glad you're here and uh, want you to make yourself at home. We started a uh, new series last week in anticipation of the new year and also in preparation as we walk into this new year. And it's my prayer that this new uh, series through the month of January would kind of posture us as a church the right way for the rest of the year. But also, maybe, maybe you've been out of church a while. Maybe you just don't get church and you don't get faith and you don't get Jesus yet, but something has caused you to be uh, interested. And so you've come with a friend or you've been checking things out for a while. I am so glad you're here because what I hope you hear over the next few weeks is God's plan for his people so that they can become the people that he always dreamed of them being. And he gives us some tools, the church down through the last couple of thousand years has developed some tools to help us know God in a deeper way And, uh, and also to respond and kind of get our, li- our lives in line with his will And so we started last week a series that I'm calling Ruined for the Ordinary, Reaching for the Extraordinary Probably 20 years ago or 25 years ago now, I read a little book by a lady named Joy Dawson uh, and the title of the book was Friendship with God. And in the first paragraph of it, she made this statement. I never forgot it. She said, once you have a friendship with your father, it will ruin you for the ordinary. I thought, wow. What, how poetic and how beautiful is that? And to be honest with you, I would like my life to be ruined for the ordinary. I would like the ordinariness of life to be wrecked so that I can pursue something that changes me, something extraordinary. And I believe with all my heart this life that Jesus has invited us into is exactly that. It will ruin us for the ordinary. So last week we started with the most popular spiritual discipline of all fasting. I well, know you guys love fasting, right? <laughs> I mean, I know I hear you talking about it all the time. I Man, I love not eating. And I love, you know, when I just set aside some time where I don't eat and I give the money that I would spend for eating away to the poor, to those who don't have enough food. And that's what these alms buckets are up here for, for 27 days. For the month of January, what we're doing is, I, well, I have asked the church <clears throat> to join us in fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays. That was an ancient tradition of the church. They would fast either lunch or they would fast from sunup to sundown. And, uh, you know, the option is up to you. What, I would just ask for you to, to do that in anticipation of this new year and what God wants to do through us as individuals but also as a church. And we were over in Isaiah 58 last week looking at the fast that the Lord chooses. And as we worked our way through that book in the Old Testament, we found out that God's fast, the fast that He approves of, if it doesn't involve us sharing with those who do, who don't have what we're fasting, what good is it? It just becomes some ritual. So what we've decided to do is on those Wednesdays and Fridays, we will take the money that we normally spend on our food and we will give it away. And so during the second part of the worship, when uh, the team comes back up in just a bit, uh, before we close the service out, you are welcome to come forward and, and put... You know, I, I tell you what I discovered this week. My wife's always telling me, do you know how much money you spend at Starbucks? I'm like, yeah, but it's like blood. You have to have it. It's, you know, hook a transfusion up and walk around with it. It's just, you know, but uh, I did. So I, I said, here's how much I, you know, not eating lunch and, you know, not eating in the mornings and wait until after the sun goes down to eat and all of this. And, and it's interesting how much you can spend. During the day And so this money That we give This is not our tithes Our regular offerings This is the money That we are setting aside As we join our hearts With those who have less And this money will go there A lot of it's going to go Right down the street To the family learning center Where there are folks Who want to get a GED To better their life It costs $150 to get a GED How can someone do better And make a living And, and all of They cannot educate themselves just a little bit. And there are people who want to get their GED so they can better their lives. Well, we want to sponsor some folks down the street with the, at the Family uh, Learning Center. So we've already done some work with them. We fed them. We fed the children that go there before. We've gone into the community. So we feel like this is one that we're good. This money is going to go to. So we have started this journey. We want our hearts changed. And uh, I, I for some reason, I think God takes us following him seriously. I don't know, call me, you know, if somehow, if it doesn't change us, if I'm not changed, if I'm not becoming more like what I read, these guys that follow Jesus, if I'm not becoming more like this, I don't think I'm walking where I should. And I, I think the Lord has invited me, I know, and I believe so, so many of us in here to follow him into this new year and reposture, reposition ourselves in our in our. Uh, concentration and what we give our attention to uh, to line up a little more with where his heart is and his heart is certainly on the broken on the poor and the hungry so we just don't fast for the hungry we fast with the hungry as you feel the hunger pains on wednesday and friday you are fasting with those who don't have enough to eat and so we come along with them and we pray for them and we do something about it we give so that's where we are today, we're going to be over in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter. This is, will be a very well-known section of Scripture to many of you, and we're going to talk about prayer, the place that prayer, the part that prayer plays in our journey with our relationship with God. So let's, uh, let's read this, Matthew 6, and let's jump up to, you know, let's see, verse 5, and read from there and down to uh, verse 15. To verse 14 or 15 and when you pray this is Jesus speaking and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly I tell you they have received their reward in full but when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Father, we pray blessing on your word today. Uh, Lord, I ask for the gift of teaching. I pray for that this morning. I need it. Uh, they don't need my opinion, Lord. They need your word. That's life. And I, I, I pray for your help. You've preached this to me already, Lord. And, and, and now I'm going to preach it to myself again. And, but Lord, I pray for your spirit to come. That you would grab our hearts in this new year. And indeed, we are going to turn our face the right direction here during January toward you. Be the church you've called us to be. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Come and do what you do best, Lord. Teach us and change us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you read the scripture, one of the things that I try to tell you guys regularly is to read it in context. There are some questions you ought to ask. And, and one of them is, who is what's being said in here being said to? What group of people, what type of person is listening to this? Who is the audience that God, that Jesus is speaking to in this. And when we look at this, if you read back into this Sermon on the Mount, all that's going on here, Jesus has been speaking on the hillside and probably thousands and thousands of people have gathered around him. And they're listening to him talk and the people that are gathering around to listen to Jesus are those people who have been broken, who have been beat up by the religious systems, by the self-righteous leaders of their day. People who were just looking for some hope Expecting a Messiah, expecting a Savior, someone, the one, the long-awaited Messiah, to come along and to change everything. And in Jesus' words here on the Sermon on the Mount, we start seeing a whole new kingdom. We start seeing a whole new way to live, differently than anything they've heard before. Jesus looks out at that big crowd on that hillside, and he seems to pull away, and he pulls his disciples, that ragtag group of men that he had Drafted and pulled alongside him he pulls him off to the side it seems like and he begins to teach them about prayer But I really think that there were a lot more people listening in this because as as the crowd was watching And I can see jesus pulling away and then you've got you james and john peter you got them all You got them all around him there But then you see the throngs of this ragtag group of hungry people on that hillside suddenly pressing in turning their ear toward Jesus, trying to listen to what he's teaching them. So who's listening? Who is Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to this very novice group of guys that he's going to give this ministry to in just a couple of years. He's speaking to this group of people who have had no hope. They've been beat down, ostracized. They've been neglected and pushed out of the synagogue. There's, the, the hurdle is so high for them now. The hurdle has been set so high they've lost hope of ever being reconciled with their God. These are the folks listening, folks like me, folks like you, folks like people out here right now up and down this street, people looking for some hope. Where is he? He's on a hillside. He could have been on a beach. He Wasn't in a beautiful synagogue. He wasn't in a beautiful building. He was out where the people were. He was out telling the people that needed to hear the good news, the good news, and about to teach them and the folks that he was going to give this whole thing to the disciples how to pray because they were going to need to know how to pray. We need to know how to pray. In verse 5, he says, But when you pray, and you know, it's not a matter if you pray. It's a matter when you pray. Everybody prays. And down south, we say, it, everybody prays all the time. Oh, Lord. Man, everybody's praying. Everybody's calling on God, you know, and calling on Jesus all the time, and then you get to, you know, you get to the media, and it's OMG, and everybody's calling, and I'm thinking, why? Oh my God, I'm trying to figure out what is that saying? Oh my God, when you hear something, Oh my God, Oh Lord. I mean, I grew up, I still say it. It's a Southern thing, bang. It's a Southern bang. Oh my Lord. Everybody prays. It's not a matter of if, it's when you pray. And Jesus knew these folks listening, he knew they prayed, he knew they called out. But he says, when you do, there's a, there's a way that, that I want you to learn how to pray. In my uh, daily Bible readings, do you guys have your plan for the year, reading through the Bible? If you don't have the Uversion app on your phone or your iPad or your computer, go get it. It's free, uversion.com. Just go get it. it. I'm using a different one this year. Uh, you'll, you'll, it'll help you read right through the scriptures. And by the time you get to this time next year, you can say, Well, I read through the Bible. And uh, so get you a Bible reading plan. This week, uh, one of the scriptures that I read was in Psalm 4, a part of my Bible reading plan. And it's a prayer, a prayer from David. And, and listen to this example. Answer me when I call to you. How do you like starting your prayer like that? Answer me when I call to you. It's like, I really want to hear from you, Lord. It's okay. It's all right. Because, I mean, we want to hear from God, don't we? And so David is like in this place and he goes, answer me when I call to you. But then he goes, oh, my righteous God. It's like hey, you're righteous yeah, I understand I know who you are oh my righteous God give me relief from my distress right up front David lays it out be merciful to me and hear my prayer then he kind of seems like he changes his, his posture his, uh, the way he's looking at things and he swings it back to his situation then he goes How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Almost like he's prophesying, like God has spoken to him. And now he speaks to the situation. And in your Bible, you'll see a little word, selah, right there. And what that means is it's a musical interlude. Did you know the Bible had musical interludes? Did you know that? The Psalms have that. It's like there's a prayer and then you hit the worship button. So, when you read the book of Psalms and you see the word Selah and you're like, I don't quite understand, hit, the, hit your worship CD or on your phone and play some worship music for a little while because that's what David did. He said his prayer and he like, oh, praise the Lord. Then he went back, know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Then he goes back to others. In your anger, do not sin when you are on your bed. Search your hearts and be silent. And then Selah, more music. I can almost see him getting worked up in his prayer. and like, man, I need to calm down. He plays a little music, listens to some worship music in his prayer. Then he goes back, offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down, and here's the results of this prayer. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Wow. What a great prayer. So it's not a matter of if we pray. It's when we pray. And like in verse 6 of Matthew uh, 6 here in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And just like in Psalm 4, praying has a reward. You will be rewarded from your prayers. God will reward you. Our Father who sees you praying will reward you. Some of you may feel a little bit apprehensive about going in to talk to God. I've talked to a couple people in the last few weeks who feel that way. They're like, I don't know what to say to Him. And I'm like, do you realize with Jesus you get to walk in and talk to God through him. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When I was reading this scripture, I thought back to John 14, 6 as well, where Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the way into the Father, the truth and the life. And then he says, no one, Tim's Translation: No one gets in to see the Father but through me. You ever wanted to go meet some famous person or be in some situation but you couldn't get in? I got a friend that knows some pretty famous people, and and it, you know, one time he called me, he says, "You want to go meet so and so?" And I said, "Well, yeah, that would be awesome." I don't, I don't know, and and so we get to the we get to the place to go in, and there's these security people standing there, and we get to the door, and The guys at the door go, okay, we're going to have to, you know, pat you down, empty your pockets. And the guy I'm with says, no, we don't. He's with me. We don't have to do anything. We can go right in. And the guy said, oh, no, you can't. And I started, you know, I don't know. I'm starting to go through my pockets. I'm like, wow, this is really a big deal here. And he goes, don't do it. Don't do it. You're with me. So he grabs my arm. And he pushes right on past these guys and takes me straight in to the green room. Jesus gets us into the green room, past the security guards, past the pat down, past it all. And with confidence, with him, I know some of you are going, but I'm not worthy. You're exactly right. And you won't get in without him. You won't get past the security you can't. You can't get in there. But with him, you can boldly go in there. As soon as I got there, he finds this tag, puts it on me, which gives me carte blanche to walk around. And he doesn't just leave me alone. He takes me over. Doesn't leave me ever. Been in these settings, you get into some prestigious event, and you're like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to. I don't know what to do. I don't. I could never go over and talk to them. But he grabs me by the arm, pulls me over to this person, introduces me, gets the conversation going, and then backs out just a little bit and leaves me there with confidence through Jesus. We have access to his grace. I could even eat the food in the green room. (laughs) I mean, I could walk up there and eat all the food. It was like, yeah, that's right. I'm a part of this entourage. That's our Jesus. Jesus makes the way for us to come in, to boldly, with confidence, approach the throne of grace. In the Lord's Prayer, verses 7 through 8, you have a fill-in in your handout and a pen if you want to track along with me. I tell people this is like a leash on a surfboard for me. You know, I'm leashed to my notes. That way I don't stray off too far. I always get back on so these, these help me stay on track And this may be something you can take with you If you want to go to lunch afterward and talk about it There's questions too on there To kind of talk about the prayer And where God's taken us here in 2013 In verses 7 and 8 it says And when you pray Do not go on babbling like pagans For they think they will be heard Because of their many words Do not be like them Your first fill in in your prayer is this Look you don't have to be a babbler You don't have to be a babbler I don't know how to talk to God. Just talk to him. I don't know what words to use. Well, if you can talk, he can understand you. You don't have to be a babbler. I I, I quit counting at 40, but I went through the book of Matthew, and I looked at each place that Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, and I quit at 40. So the truth is, that's a good way to start with God. Just go to him and tell him the truth. Speak the truth to him. When I first uh, started walking with Christ, there were two or three people, very instrumental in my life, and especially in my prayer life. Uh, one, one guy was about 20 years older, 25 years older than I was, and I think I was 25 at the time, and I asked him, I said, would you teach me to pray? And he said, sure, meet me at the church. And this, I think it was a Saturday morning at eight o'clock. And so I, you know, I grabbed my... I'm kind of a student type of person. So I grab my Bible, I grab my notepad, and I grab my pen. And so I showed up at the church at 8 o'clock, and he shows up. We go into the auditorium. I sit down, I, I break out my Bible and my pen, and I'm waiting to be taught these choice words of prayer. And he falls down on his face and goes, Oh, Jesus. And he starts praying, and he starts confessing his sins, the sins of his family. He starts praying for more of God's presence in his life. And I'm thinking, well, this is, you know, this is his preamble. He's just getting started, and he'll come back up and say, step one is so-and-so. Three hours later, <laughs> I got it. I got it. He prayed. He talked to God. And now I have another person, sweet person, awesome person, who the only time I heard him pray was when he stood up in church and would go, Oh, thouest most fatherest awesomeness, God of all creation, of whom it's all power and gloryeth, and just on and on. And, and everybody's going, Man, I could never pray like that. Not that you would want to. But <laughs> never use those words with such eloquence and, and such flourishes and all. When Jesus comes along to his fishermen that he's teaching to be his leaders and to the broken people of Israel sitting around those hills and he goes you don't have to be a babbler you don't have to have a lot of words have you ever counted how many words Jesus had in his prayers few (coughs) economy you just talk to him you don't have to be a babbler and your second one in verse 8 do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him your second fill in there is you're not going to surprise God I don't know if I can tell God this Oh my gosh, what's he gonna think when I tell him? I just don't wanna, I don't wanna burden God. What, what do we think? You know, that God's gonna go, oh my word, what am I gonna do? <laughs> oh, oh myself, myself, myself. <laughs> oh. <sighs> what do we think? He already knows. He already knows what's going on. Luke 11 says, in his version of this, says that. He's like a father. He wants to give us good things. That he won't give you like something that's going to hurt you when you are asking him for something good. He knows what you need before you even ask him, but he sure does love to hear you say it. And you know what? You need to hear yourself say it. You need to hear those words come out of your mouth. Just say it to him. Verses 9 through 10, we begin... With this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your third feeling is this the main thing is who and what in our prayers. And the who is God the Father. The who is the Father. Our Father who is in heaven. One of the best things we could ever do as a new Christian is to start calling God our Father as soon as we can. I'm going to tell you, some of us need a new father anyway. We do. And we got a good one here. The best. We start calling him our father because we go to him like we would the best father. And he is the best father. Our father who is in heaven. It doesn't mean he's out there in the cosmos somewhere. That's not heaven. Heaven's like another reality. It's another place. It's not up in the sky. It was their best way of describing it. It's the kingdom in its fullness. It's where God gets his way, heaven. The kingdom of God in fullness. Our Father in heaven. Where you get your will. Where everything you want is done. In heaven, Lord. You're the king. You're the master there. That's who I'm praying to. That's who I'm talking to. And you're my father. I got past the security guards. I'm into the green room. I'm with you. I'm talking to you. You're in control. I have full access to you. That's who. That's who we're talking to, and let's let's remind ourselves of that as we pray. And the what is the kingdom. It's the kingdom we pray for. Even with my needs, even with all the things I have going on in my life, what I need more than anything is the rule and the reign of God in my life. I need that in my marriage. I need that in my relationships. I need that in my church. I need that with my family. I need the rule in the reign of God. And so when I go, my Father, notice it says our Father because you're not alone. You notice this prayer? It's good to pray at our because that reminds you that you're praying this with a lot of brothers and sisters. You are not alone in this. Our Father who art in heaven. I'm praying your kingdom come up first before I tell you anything else, Lord, on my list. I just, I wanna say this to you, Father, because I know you're wiser than I am and you have a big plan. So whatever I say, I want you to know your kingdom is more important to me than anything else. And so I pray for your rule and your reign to come to my family, to come to my life, to come to my personal life. And we need the rule and the reign of God in every area of our life. We need it. In our relationships, our finances, our sex life, we need it in every aspect of our life. Our social life, our businesses, we need the rule and the reign of God. And so we're reminded up front in this prayer, Jesus tells his disciples, pray for the kingdom. And remember, you're talking to the Father, the Father of the kingdom. And in verse 11, now we get into the practical part, don't we? Give us this day our daily bread. You know what? Literally in Matthew, this says, give us tomorrow's bread today. Give us tomorrow's bread today. And I like that, because how many of you worry about tomorrow more than you do today? Give us tomorrow's bread today. Your fourth fill-in is, it's okay to pray for practical needs or for the practical. It's all right. Give us bread, Lord. I need to feed my family. I need to house my family. I need to pay my bills. It's okay. It's all right. Well, I feel selfish. Duh. Tell him. Tell him what you need. Tell him you need food. Tell him you need shelter. Tell him you need a job. Tell him you need friends. Tell him what you need. Tell him the essential things, the practical needs you have. Tell him you need to be healed. We pray all of this Submitted to the kingdom, your kingdom, your will. But I need this. I need to eat. My family needs to eat. And you know what? When we pray this too, we're praying this along with those who do not have enough to eat, just like our fasting. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we join in with our brothers and sisters and with those who do not have enough food, we pray that along with them. Now, you wed that with fasting during our period of time, and it can be powerful. As we feel the hunger pains on Wednesdays and Fridays, and we pray this, give us this day our daily bread. Then we come alongside those who have need, and we feel what they feel, and then we want to do something about it. We move into what we need to, to see that some of these problems are solved. Your fifth one here is verse 12, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and I kind of wrestled with how to say this, but I, I came down on this. It's okay to pray for your emotional needs because forgiveness is such an emotional thing. It's okay to pray for the emotional aspect of your life. And I don't know anything that hurts us more and causes more damage or hamstrings us more than unforgiveness does. And plus, let's just be honest, can we? We need it too. We need it as well. God knows we need it. That's why Jesus came. So we come and we ask God to forgive us. And then we say, Lord, help me forgive those that have trespassed against me as well. Because sin cripples us. During this 27 days of fasting, prayer, and some other disciplines we're going to talk about, spiritual disciplines over the next few weeks, I hope that by the end of January, we have become so... Uh, let's just say we've become so cognizant this is going to sound brutal of our sin that we will become confident to carry it to Jesus and let him have it. And part of that is unforgiveness. And so when we get before the Lord we say God okay I need forgiveness but I also want to forgive. Now just think of, the, think of this what if God forgave you to the same level that you forgave others? Well, where would your status be with God? That's harsh, isn't it? Because you can't really deal with that unless you get extra grace. But we read Hebrews a while ago. You're welcome to come to God for plenty of grace. There's a plenty of it. there's plenty of it in the presence of God to give. This is serious stuff here, and I can imagine the disciples listening to this going, "Well, we've got these Romans. We've got these Pharisees, these Sadducees. huh at these tax collectors of which one is writing this (laughs) Matthew go figure we've got him there you know forgive them what are you talking about what are you talking about God that's the miraculous power of grace and mercy that's getting into the green room where the meal is where there's provision and lastly verse 13 and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one it's okay, and I, I, I really think this is right. It's okay to pray for your safety when it comes to temptation. It's okay to pray. Now, how many of you like to be tempted don't hold your hands up? <laughs> well, because some of you, you yeah. know, we can kind of like, like it. We can nourish it and feed that thing and kind of get off on that whole thing and just, you know, say, oh, that's nice, that's nice, that feels complimentary or Whatever. But that leads to something else that leads to something else that leads to something else. Jesus knows this all too well. And he says, listen, when you pray, pray that you won't even be put in temptation. And then he tells us who's behind the whole thing. It's the devil, the evil one. And that is an accurate translation. I know some of us learned the Lord's Prayer delivers from temptation. And delivers, you know, it's the evil one, not just evil but deliver us from evil it's deliver us from the evil one there is an entity there is a personality behind the temptation to want to pull us to a place of falling away from following Christ and falling into sin there is a real being behind that and Jesus tells his guys and the people listening you need to be praying this because you're going to be tempted to pull, be pulled away and the devil's going to do everything he can do to pull you away just like he tried to pull me away after I was baptized and I went into the desert and the devil tempted me so the same thing is going to happen to you pray ask for safety ask that you not be drawn into temptation there's a real evil behind that temptation and giving in to temptation or winning over temptation is one long before you ever get to the temptation it's won or lost in prayer. It's won or lost in the amount of time we spend with God Almighty, our Father, our Protector. In James 4, 7 through 8, James said, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I love this rhythm. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And don't be a sucker. Don't be naive. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, Be alert and sober mind. And of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know who the someone is? Yep. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And sometimes it is suffering, fighting the temptation. It hurts, and it's a war at times. I love the honesty of Jesus. I love that he taught his disciples how to pray. This is a prayer that we can pray every day. If you don't know what to say, take this prayer and pray it every day. Chew on each portion of it. Our Father, I'm not alone. There are other people going through the same thing, our father- your father, you control it all, Lord. I'm talking to someone that can get something done here. I'm in the green room, I'm here through Jesus, our Father, and begin to pray this prayer I want to as the band comes back up I, I want to give you just a little help here, and this is if you if you haven't been able to establish a prayer life or prayer time, this is something that I think maybe the Jesuits did this long ago. It's just a little practice that might help you it has been beneficial to me. That when I pray in the mornings, I find a comfortable place to sit away from everybody, distractions, and sit down. And I take a deep breath. I'm a pretty intense guy. I don't know if you can tell it or not. But um, I'm pretty high-strung. And uh, it takes a little bit for me to get myself focused because my mind's all over the place a lot. And so I'll sit just quietly with my palms down for a while. I'll take a deep breath in, like through my nose, and just let it out, just trying to relax my body because I'm like this most of the time going. And as we learn in fasting, we tune up our bodies right along with our spirituality. And so... I keep my palms down and I begin to tell God the things that are worrying me. Things I've got on my plate for that day or this week. And I talk to Him. I just don't use any flourishes or anything. I like, Lord, you know, I'm facing this. It's really bugging me. I'm anxious. I've been waking up at night. I've got this family member and this is going on and I'm real concerned and I'll talk to God about that for a while my palms are down but you have to get to the point where eventually you want to do this you want to receive from God that grace and that mercy that's spoken of in Hebrews and so what I'll do is I'll take another deep breath after I've dumped it out there and I'll begin to turn my palms up to receive from the Lord the grace and the mercy and the provision that he has paid for through Jesus for me. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, Lord, I, I receive your grace. I receive your mercy and your provision, God. For this day, for this day,